1: Man, I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a blessing to be with you.
0: Man, I'm so excited. I was telling I was telling him a bit ago, I had a pastor actually tell me about you years ago, was like, you need to get hold of this guy, Luke Holter. This guy prophesies <laughs> over governors and celebrities and presidents. And he's, start, yeah. he's giving me your resume, right? He's telling me all this stuff. He's like, you need to get in touch with him. And I'm thinking, you know, on my day off, the last thing I'm thinking I want to do is like start calling other pastors to try to connect with. It just yeah. didn't work out. And then uh, two years went by. I saw you on Matt's stream, Matt it's like hey you got to check out Luke Coulter and so I actually stayed that whole Zoom call and listen and man I got rocked by your testimony I got rocked by your teaching on the prophetic um guys I want to say this to my chat to my people here we have over 700 please share this guys I want to say this man is a voice for the prophetic movement for giving prophetic words for prophesying I know he's humble he's not going to get into his whole resume of all the stuff that he's done and the people he's prophesied over but I'll just say this he's prophesied to some extremely intelligent high-level world leaders Kings Queens governors flown all over the world Prophesying over people giving them strategies for their life for their business for their job literally the way Joseph prophesied This is what he does. So, um, bro I just want to say I'm honored to have you here I'm excited to have you here as I asked you before I would love for you Maybe to open up with some of your testimony how you got saved and then we can just jump into talking about prophetic words How to give prophetic words and just go for it from there
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um so I love already that pastors are giving you my pedigree. Come on, which if anybody really knows my heart, like I'm, I'm, I'm a Pauline uh, theologian, where it's like I embrace being uh, down to earth and rational, and not impressed by things we've done. I'm thankful for what God's lined us up with, but um, so I'm a, I'm a son of a preacher. Um, I grew up uh, in the '80s and, and, and '90s, and my dad was a non-denominational pastor. And, um, you know, I was not a planned pregnancy. My mom and dad were both, uh, drug dealing, alcoholic hippies, and, um, they had zero interest, uh, in God. Um, but there was this thing that happened that broke out when they were living in Seattle called the Jesus people movement. And my mom and dad got invited to a meeting at my aunt and uncle's and they didn't want to go. They put it off and they're like, no, let's just stay home and get high. Like, we don't have to go to the meeting. And they went anyways because they felt bad. You know how family can you. And my dad walked away at their door. Him and my mom got slain in the Holy Ghost. Before they received Christ verbally, in their heart, they said yes. And the Holy Spirit saw it. They got slain in the Holy Spirit wow. and then led to Christ right after that. And when um when they found out, that you know, after they got saved, my mom found out that she was pregnant with me, and I was not a planned pregnancy. And I have an older brother and older sister, but they were done. And so my mom got saved and was reading the story of Hannah and Samuel. Mm. And my mom said, "Well, I didn't plan to have this kid, so Lord, he's yours forever. I'm going to dedicate him to the house of God as a prophet uh, before I was ever born." My mom got oh. baptized uh, when she was pregnant with me, and uh, both in water and you know in the Holy Ghost. And so. I was born. They prayed it. They started noticing as I got older, like in fifth, sixth grade, you know, and younger, I'd be having dreams and talking about angels. I would see things like that, which as a child, parents are kind of used to that. Wow. But about sixth grade, I started walking around and I was at the mall with my mom. And I was like, uh, I pointed to this cowboy in the mall. And I said, uh, he was molested when he was nine by his uncle in a closet. And that's why he's still afraid of the dark today is because of that abuse. And so my mom and dad were like, uh, like, what do we do? Like we prayed for this to happen and now it's happening. And so they started training me and teaching me um, out of the word of God. And then there was a a great man of God uh, who's awesome. He's actually one of my spiritual grandfathers and he's on my board of my ministry. His name's Bishop Bill Hammond Yes. and Bishop Bill Hammond had been writing books on how to prophesy. And so my parents started equipping me out of that. And then all these years later, He's my covering in the prophetic, wow. you know? So, I mean, God has such a crazy story. But when I was 18, like, so I grew up in church, getting slain in the Holy ghost, going to Bible camp, having all the getting, getting saved every weekend, that kind of thing um, had two lives, you know, my hidden life Come where on. I could do all the sinful things I wanted. And then my church life, which I would walk in and be like, blessed and highly favored in Come the name on. of Jesus, you know, my cup runneth over. And then I would go home, you know, and smoke weed with my boys and like drink and fool around with my girlfriend, do all the stuff that I wasn't supposed to do, but hid that part of my life. And a lot of Christians lead a double life. Mm. And so what happened is I had spiritual encounters even with compromise in my life. And I think that's a valuable lesson for people that are chasing the prophetic and the supernatural is uh, having a supernatural encounter does not validate your spirituality. Come on. Uh, A a supernatural encounter is an on-ramp for you to change your character. They don't change you themselves. And so like I would get slain in the spirit and have radical encounters. And um, you know, ultimately I led a double life and I had no real anchor. I knew I let Jesus uh, uh, the idea of Jesus move into my heart, but not Jesus. I let my, I let my church die on the cross for me, not Jesus. And so I knew what to do for the church to not make them upset with me. I knew the rules and the right things to say, but my heart was far from Jesus. And so I wasn't anchored. And when I was uh, in uh, 12th grade, you know, um, my best friend and I, we used to skateboard all the time and, you know, we just, we just smoked weed and listened to the beastie boys and like skateboarded all the time. That was like our lives. Uh, I was very much in, like grew up in the punk rock scene and played in punk bands and all that stuff. And he died my senior year and, um, it, it broke my heart mm. and I wasn't anchored to Jesus. And so offense entered my heart and I turned my back on Jesus completely at that point. And I said a prayer and I said, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And I said to Satan, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Which oh, is hilarious wow. because neither party is going to keep that commitment. Come on, come on. <laughs> it's not like God, it's not like God's going, Oh, oh, we're done. Oh, okay. Enjoy your life. And it's not like Satan's gonna stop tormenting you. Wow. And so um I, I wound up falling away totally from my faith uh from the age of 18. And, you know, in that time I uh worked at a tattoo shop and um got addicted to drugs, worked for a drug dealer for seven years, four of those years in debt collection. And, um, so when people owed my boss money or product, me and two other very large gentlemen would go collect. And that was, that was my life. And, um, when, when Jesus found me, I was 25 and I consider the age of 25, my true conversion, because Mm. when I was young, I prayed, I let Jesus into my heart, the idea of him, but not him. And so when I was 25, I was playing a punk rock show. I mean, we did like uh, all these uh, amazing punk rock shows and all this stuff, touring festivals and everything. And I was happy. Uh, I had one night stand. So I had everything I wanted, you know, everything that the devil had promised me, essentially, that the church never gave me. I found working for a drug dealer, which was respect. Wow. Which I never found. You can hang out if you want, but. At the age of 25, I was playing a punk rock show, and I had a heart attack from a drug overdose wow. during my show. And um, I was living with a lesbian, um, and I was dating a witch that was a stripper. Oh um, my god! <laughs> that's like that's like in the pastor's kids manual, like page one, chapter one, god. like don't date stripper witches. It's like the first section of the book of pastor's kids. Oh my god. <laughs> But, um, so they, you know, I fell off the stage and my heart was like beating its way out of my chest. And, um, the girl that was with me that I was dating the the witch took me to the emergency room and they were able to stabilize me. My heart, by the time they got my heart slowed down, it had been two hours that it was racing and wow. it was at 244 beats per minute. And so they were surprised I even lived. And so I endured a, uh, eight and a half hour heart surgery
2: Gosh.
1: and, um, in that heart surgery, um, in the ER, this was what was crazy. The girl came in and we hadn't been dating that long. I just found out that she was a witch and a stripper. And I was like, okay. And she, she's the one that took me to the ER. I had no friends to call. <laughs> and so she took me, not even my bandmates went with me. They were like,
0: "They're like, yeah, no,
1: he's just, yeah, he, he's out of it. But um, so anyways, she left, she checked on me and she left and I just lost it, I started crying in the emergency room and then the weirdest thing happened. Um I started hearing Hebrew music playing. I don't know how I knew it was Hebrew. I have no I had no background at that point of knowing what Hebraic song sounds like, but I could hear it. And right right over me on the bed, the ceiling opens up of of the emergency room. And I see Jesus on his side and um every time I share this it gets hard. Every time I feel it bro but when he, when he came into the room, um, at this point, I had been running from God for seven years and lost in drug addiction and alcoholism Gosh. and uh, just depravity, porn addiction, horrible life. And um, he came down from the ceiling and he looked like he did when um, he was a felt board Jesus when I was a little kid in Sunday school. Wow. Like he was wearing the white with the blue sash, <laughs> but he, he did not look white. He was super Jewish. Mm. Like, and I'm looking at him and The first thought I had, now that was when I was 25, I'm 43 now, and this is how fresh this is in my spirit and mind still, is that when I saw him, I thought, oh no, what did I just spend seven years running from? Wow. Because it was the first time I ever felt loved. It was the first time I ever felt like I was enough for somebody else. It was the first time I felt clean, like I wasn't dirty, and um, he laid down next to me uh, in this what i can only call a visitation i thought i was dying to be very honest mm-hmm. like i was um i know that you were an atheist i wasn't an atheist i believed in god but i was the dude like checking for wires and like yeah, yeah. like not believing any i was a total skeptic about mm-hmm. all this stuff even though i could hear the holy spirit there's nights i'd be in my bed high as a kite with a girl sleeping over and i could hear jesus weeping oh. and i would say quietly so she wouldn't hear me I would say I'm not ready I'm not ready and so um it was just like a major thing and so um Jesus laid down next to me and he smiled at me and he said hello and I just lost it Mm. and he said I have too much for you to do for you to live your life this way wow and he stood up next to the bed and he said um I got you a gift and I was like okay um my phone is blowing up by the way. Oh, People that are watching the live stream, they're yeah. like blowing up my phone. And so um I'm like I'm like, "Lord, um what what what's the gift?" right? And so his hands are behind his back and he takes his hands like this and it's a word that's broken in half. Hmm. And he puts the word together and it makes a shape, it makes a crown and it spells the word dignity.
2: Wow. And he
1: said you dropped this seven years ago. And I picked it up because I knew that you would need it again. And when he gave it to me in the ER, when I rededicated my life, he said, one day, this'll be the crown that you throw down at my feet when you finish the race. And um, that that day I rededicated my life to Christ. I called my mom and dad, who I hadn't talked to in almost a year. And I was like, can I please come home? Like I just had a heart attack. and..." You know, we went through the heart surgery, and I moved back home into my parents' basement and got sobered um, off Vicodin, and like 40 tabs. And I had, I had to get uh, stuff done with my stomach as well because I'd taken so many painkillers, it ate a hole from my stomach. So I was having internal bleeding and in one moment the holy spirit restored everything i used to be addicted Come on, to horror it. movies say i it. had over 350 horror movies say it. and the holy spirit through dreams convicted me and i took all those horror movies out to the garage and chopped them up and threw them away <laughs> and like the lord totally delivered me and radically delivered me and i sold everything i owned and i moved i got on a Greyhound bus and i moved to Kansas City, Missouri and join this thing called IHOP. Come on. And I, I didn't know anything about it at the time. I was like, I don't know what this is. I'm gonna go be a monk, I guess. <laughs> Come on. And so like, I mean, I'm, to- I'm totally from the streets. Like I grew up listening to like Public Enemy and Tribe Called Quest yeah, yeah. and you know, like Fugazi and like all these punk bands and hip hop bands. And I was not homeschooled, okay? So like <laughs> I wasn't ready for that culture. Yeah. So I moved there and spent uh, almost five years 12 hours a day, seven days a week in prayer, studying, worshiping, getting my life solid in Christ. And they actually, Mike Bickle, and I met um, a guy named Paul Kane and Bob Jones, who wound up speaking into my life and calling me out saying, you really are called to be a prophet. And so I joined leadership at IHOP. And I was a prophetic singer with a lady named Misty Edwards Mm. and uh, Matt Gilman and, and some of those cats there. And so I was there for a number of years and then moved to Houston, Texas, where I met my wife. The crazy thing is I ran from God for seven years, uh, had a heart attack. They they did what's called ablation surgery. They burned my heart seven times with a radio wave. Seven years later across a crowded room. So in, oh, I gotta tell you this real quick. In the emergency room, I'm there with Jesus and two pictures fall out of his mouth. And one is of an Asian woman in a Michael Jackson wedding dress, (laughs) super weird. The other is of a baby girl in a birthing unit. So I knew if I lived and survived, I would have a wife who loved me, and I would have a daughter.
2: Wow.
1: So seven years later, I moved to Houston, Texas, after Kansas City and all that. So seven years after that, I'm, a, I'm sitting in a church across a crowded room, and I see the Asian woman from my no vision. Way. She turns around, and she's wearing dude, she's wearing a Michael Jackson no, beat it t-shirt. No. Yes. And I'm like, that's my wife. Like that's my bride. <laughs> now like, you just have to tell but, her
0: that convince her of it. Right now,
1: dude, that's the thing is true. Uh, prophetic ministry is motivated by love. Come on. Right. And so it's not a loving act to go to her and manipulate her by sharing Come that on. because now if she's not ready, now she's out of God's alignment. Mm. And I'm, I'm and that's why people ask me like, who am I supposed to marry? And I'm like. Hey, like, yeah, God will decide that with you. Like you can't just say, well, God said, I have to marry that person because now if that person doesn't believe you, Mm. you're saying they're out of the will of God.
2: So So you violate
1: their free will. And so I couldn't, I couldn't manipulate the situation and say, Hey, God told me I had to really get to know her. And I asked the Holy Spirit, give me prophetic words for her. She's a hottie. I need some (laughs) words for this Filipina hottie. And so I'm like, give me some words, Lord. And he wouldn't. And finally, even after we were married, I was like, Lord, what's the deal? And he goes, I don't want you to know about your wife from what I tell you. I want you to experience her so you know her from experiencing her. Ooh, because head knowledge, head knowledge never matches heart knowledge. Wow. And head knowledge can only be strengthened through a heart posture. Mm. And so the two have to work together. And so I had to experience my wife and really love her. And so um, anyways, we, we got married couldn't have kids, tried for four years. We went to fertility clinics. I said, it'll never happen. Luke, you will never get a woman pregnant. They told my wife, you will never conceive. And um, we went and did an event, me and Bob Jones and Paul Keith Davis and Bobby Connor in uh, uh, San Antonio, Texas. Mm. And we get in the green room and nobody knew that we couldn't conceive. And Bob Jones and Bobby Connor at the same time on opposite ends of the room, turned to my wife and I and go, you will conceive come on that weekend. We got pregnant. Come
0: on. Come on. Holy with gosh. our,
1: with our daughter, Gemma. And so we went back to the fertility clinic and they're like, uh, like we have two reports, <laughs> one that says never one that says you're good to go. Wow. And so they were like, we don't know what happened, but you can have kids. And so my daughter's eight years old now. And yes. like, uh, she's a little, little prophetess dreaming and all that kind of stuff. So God, God's been amazing. We've got our ministry, uh, the Samuel company. And, um, You know, we've been traveling the last 18 years full-time, ministering, prophesying, teaching thousands how to prophesy. Um, you know, God's just been doing some amazing, amazing stuff.
0: I love it. And I love what you're saying because people don't realize the gospel is more than just praying a prayer on a Sunday morning. God literally takes your broken life and says, I want to give you life and life more abundantly. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, yeah. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I don't understand this, Luke. We sit here and have to convince people to choose life yeah. and life more abundantly and resist the enemy. But God, I'm telling you, and you know, as you're saying that, I I know there's a lot of people in the chat. There's 850 people watching. People are crying. People are saying, that's my son. That's my kid. Listen, I want to tell you tonight, some of you right now are watching and you might be high. You might be on it, having an overdose. You might be in a withdrawal, but tonight is your night. This is not just, this is not a coincidence. He shared his testimony in the beginning because tonight God is calling somebody home and we're calling you prophetically in the spirit that the prodigals are getting ready to come home. I just want to, for one second, speak to every mom, to every dad, to every uncle to every aunt that's been praying for their prodigal son, their prodigal daughter and their kids. And maybe your prodigal just came home and you don't really know what to do because they're in that transition of trying to figure out if they want to serve God or not. But I hear the Lord saying tonight is a night of healing. Tonight is a night of restoration. And you know, Luke, I was hearing this as you were sharing. I feel like the Lord is saying this. And listen, I know the prophetic anointing is already flowing because you're, as you're talking, I just feel the anointing flowing. But I hear the mm-hmm. Lord saying, I'm going to give you the gift. I'm going to stir it up in you and I'm going to train you to prophesy because you're going to need the gift of prophecy in these coming days you're going to need to be able to prophesy over that prodigal that prodigal comes home and you're going to have to speak life into them you're going to have to speak encouragement and destiny and vision into them so listen guys do not get off this you are here we are all here for divine moment to get this gift activated I I prayed today I said Lord I know listen i prophesy i do words of knowledge and all that praise the lord but i told the lord this i know there's another level i know that there's more in the gift that you want to stir up and train me so i'm telling y'all i said lord do it in me today i want you guys as we start listen i want you to say lord do it in me tonight i know that tonight is my night to get healing to get deliverance to get breakthrough and you know one thing luke i want to say about prophecy is a lot of people don't realize, and I want to say this, this might be controversial. It's okay. We could say it, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. Prophecy yeah. is for everybody. I think this whole yes. preacher thing where the man of God has to prophesy over me. And some of you have been yes. taught that your whole life, that Bogus. is false teaching. We think that yes. it's only the pastor that could deliver us. That's not in the Bible. Yep. We think it's only nope. the pastor that could do miracles. That's not in the Bible. We nope. think we have to wait on the man of God to give us the prophetic word. But what you have to understand is the spirit has given us all gifts of the spirit. This is for the body, of Christ, not just for the leaders. Paul did not come in 1 Corinthians 14 and say, all right, guys, there's going to be some gifts here, but just so you know, this is only for the leaders of the body of Christ. Paul said, no, the spirit is going to distribute and I want to speak this and I believe that it's going to, we're going to come to a day where it will be normal for everyone to prophesy. It will be yeah. normal for everybody to cast out demons. It'll be normal for everyone to heal the sick, raise the dead, baptize and preach. And I think we have to get out of this mentality that it's just the anointed man of God that's going yes. to prophesy and let me give you guys a quick verse uh, and I know this is going to be a probably a verse that um you that Luke gives you tonight too but first Corinthians cuz some of you are like I don't believe everyone can do it it's a gift for only some people okay let me prove you wrong first Corinthians 14:31 yep. for you can Come all on. prophesy one by one I think yes. that's on your website Luke is that on your website I think yes. so yes. for you all can prophesy this is Paul he says you all yes. can prophesy one by one that all of you might learn and be encouraged so Paul says listen get out of this mindset that it's a special and for a special man of God. Paul says, No, no, no. You all can prophesy. So listen, there's 850 of you. Then I'm telling you tonight, all of you can prophesy. And this is crazy because Paul says this about the gift. I'm going to turn it over right right here back to you, Luke, in a minute. But here's what Paul says about the gift. He says, Pursue love, earnestly desire or chase after the spiritual gifts. I mean, yes. like, we shouldn't chase the gifts. Yes, we should. Paul says, We should. Yes, we should. He said, Desire yes. them. And then Paul says this Of all the gifts that there is, Paul says, I'm only going to tell you about one gift that you should especially have and especially seek. And Paul says, especially that you may prophesy. And you go, wait, 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 Paul, what about the gift of teaching? What about the gift of knowledge? What about the discerning of spirits? What about the gift of miracles? What about the gift of hospitality? Paul, you've given us all these supernatural new living translations. You tell us about these supernatural abilities, which I love that translation. But Paul says Mm -hmm. above all those gifts, there's only one that I want to tell you that you especially need. And that's the gift of prophecy. So Paul emphasizes the gift of prophecy. And I really believe this has to be the foundation as we start tonight this is for all of you so don't sit there and say oh this would be a great teaching for my pastor this would be a great teaching for a ministry (laughs) that's prophetic guess what tonight we are licensing you and we are enlisting you into the school of prophecy and all of you are going to be prophesying after tonight in jesus name so i'm going to turn it back over to luke but i think it's essential we realize that's the foundation of prophecy is that it's for all of us it's not just for some of us everybody's called and anointed to prophesy
1: Amen. Dude, you are absolutely speaking my love language. Come on. Like, um, what God, like, you know, I graduated in 2013 with my PhD in biblical theology. And one of the things that I learned in my journey of uh, education was that God showed up more in the secular world than he even did the synagogue. Wow. He, he visited father Abraham, who was a pagan moon worshiper. And God was so moved by his faithfulness to the God of the moon that he said, "I want you because of your faithfulness." Wow! And literally, that's a forefather of our faith. And so, like, I, I realized that God didn't. That's why I got the title of the book, "Filthy Fishermen." It, it the whole the whole statement that that the book is about is God. Jesus didn't come for professional Christians. Come he on. came for filthy fishermen. He didn't come for people that are super qualified. But the problem is, we over spiritualize so many come things on. in the Bible, and we make them unattainable. And some churches have what's called like us for and no more mentality Come where on. they're like, no, the three of us have been prophesying for 12 years and you just got saved. You're not allowed to do that yet. Absolutely you are. Come if on. you're not raising up spiritual sons and daughters, then you're sterile. Mm. Okay. And God's not interested. This is the thing is people think like, oh, I've got to wait for this special person. It's like, do you think you're an orphan? Do you think you are uniquely deaf amongst the body of Christ that you're the only one out of everything promised in the Bible that he's not going to speak to you. That's why it drives me nuts when people overcompensate out of identity issues. And that's really why prophecy is so important because we have people that are completely jacked up with identity issues. Mm. They don't know who they are, not just the lost. I meet more Christians that are confused about who they are than the lost. At least the lost that I know, know they're lost. I've had an easier time convincing a homosexual atheist that God was real through a prophetic encounter then I have some Christians that say, prove it to me, man of God. So true. I've had an easier time winning people. I've gone to psychic fairs and festivals and set up dream interpretation booths and prayer booths where we invoke the name of Jesus. We, we're not mixing with new age, Come on. but we're coming in with true power and authority. We are doing a literal, um, you know, Elisha moment where we're challenging the prophets of Baal. Come on. We're going out. We're doing those things. We're, I've, I've been in nightclubs. With, um, oh, what's their name? There's, a, there's this group that performs, they DJs and uh, the dub something, I don't know. Um, but they, when I lived in Los Angeles, I went to a bar, a nightclub that brought me in to prophesy in a secular mm. nightclub because the, the owner of the nightclub saw me prophesying at a punk rock satanic show. They invited me in and we led like 300 kids to Christ uh, at a, in Valencia at a, at a, a satanic show. A bunch of pastors went and we got them. It was awesome. Come on, And so, but what, what's happening in the body of Christ is they want to say, the enemy wants to come in and say, no, it's only these people that can prophesy. And just so long as it's uh, identity focused and mm. somebody's building a platform. I don't, pro- I don't, pro- like I prophesy over pastors that have churches of five, 10,000 people that have never brought me in, mm. but I'm the one they call at midnight for a word when they're desperate. Come on. You know, like I'm not moved by platform. Mm. I'm moved by presence. And that's really what the prophetic is about is like getting people into a place of healthy identity and people are confused about who they are. Prophecy is speaking the thoughts of the father, his heart. The Holy Spirit searches the depths of God. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but the Holy Spirit searches the depths of God and makes them known to us, Mm. which means the Holy Spirit does all the heavy lifting. God, the spirit, Holy Spirit, that is God dives into the unapproachable light of God in his heart and then sources through his heart and feelings and emotions and then reveals them to us. But the problem is people try to overcompensate and instead of the still small voice, they're like, oh, uh, 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 an angel came to me mm. and, and the angel told me that this has to happen and this has to happen. And they lie about their encounter Come on. trying to make themselves look more powerful Wow, because they have identity issues. And that's why we need a healthy establishment, a reestablishment of the prophetic, because prophecy always challenges wrong identity, Come always, because it's the father's heart and wrong identity is attached to an orphan spirit. So we need to get the church healed, and that's part of the reason people kick against it. They're like, "Well, I thought it's just something from the Old Testament, like, and if you prophesy once and you're wrong, then like it's bad, and you're a false prophet, and like none of that stuff is real. Like, you're not a false prophet if you make a mistake." There's a, a, a German Jewish theologian, uh, famous Moses. Uh, uh, Moses Um, and he's got some of the most intricate writings on the life of Samuel. Samuel had the very first school of the prophets. They called it a company of the prophets. Mm. Even when Saul got around some of the company of the prophets, Saul, who was a wicked man, started prophesying because the spirit fell on him. Wow. If a wicked wicked king like Saul could prophesy, why can't we? Come on, say it. Everything in the Old Testament had to die with Jesus, go through the grave, and come back up through the cross with Jesus. (laughs) which means prophecy is no longer for the elite. It's for anybody who's willing, Come on, anybody who's willing to take a chance. People worry about being wrong and being a false prophet. Even Agabus in the New Testament was wrong about who would bind Paul, and he was still considered a prophet. So we have mm. biblical examples of, hey, making a mistake out of immaturity is not a bad thing. Come on, You gotta learn to hear the voice. People go to college, people go to seminary to learn how to preach. People go to college to learn how to teach, and we've we've unfortunately put the prophetic in this place of ignorance, where we're like, mm. no, you just gotta you just gotta feel it to know it. Like, do you know how unfair that is Come to be on. like, oh no, you should just be perfect in it. There's never been a biblical example of that. Wow. Prophets were trained, even in the so New Testament, good. there was companies of prophets, and so the, the I want to say this with three things for every believer that's watching right now. There's three things. Now, people um, get confused. They think, I have to, if in order to prophesy, I have to have, I can only prophesy with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's not accurate. Come on, say it. Y- your gift can be baptized by something other than the Holy Spirit, which means people can have a prophetic gift but they have a spirit of jealousy on their life. That's fueling their prophetic word. Wow! So they could be accurate and still say something demonic, just like the woman that was following the disciples saying something accurate, Mm -hmm. but it was in the wrong spirit. So good. And so the first thing is calling. Um, That's first Corinthians one, one, like Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. So the first is calling. That's the first component. Next is gifting. Gifting gives ability. That's 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we learn that prophecy is not an anointing. Prophecy is a gift. Say it. The anointing ebbs and flows based on your ability to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. People will prophesy deeper when they're closer to Jesus, but I'm telling you right now, we got people wanting a one night stand with the Holy Spirit when he wants to put a ring on their finger. Come on. We got people out there that I get emails the most common. I get emails all the time, like probably 200 a day that are just, who am I supposed to marry? You know, what, yeah. what's my life going to be? What, you know, do you have any, I've had people email me and say, I will give you $50,000 if you can give me some winning numbers for a lot of, like all that kind of garbage. I got people asking me, what does God think about me? And I say, well, have you asked him yourself? Come on. And they go, well, no, I just came to you. Well, ask him, sit still long enough to hear him. Come on. But what happens is Christians get into this trouble where they say, I can't hear God. Now, we know that God will not violate your free will, mm. which means if you are decreeing something out of your mouth and saying, I can't hear my father, he's looking at us going, baby, I love you, but I can't break your decision to not hear me. Wow. You have to verbalize and say, I break my agreement with a deaf spirit. And I can hear my father. You know, it's. I think about what you were talking about, about the return of the prodigals. You tapped into something prophetic there. You know, I was thinking of Ezekiel 37. You know, Ezekiel, it wasn't enough for him to just sit there. He didn't invite other prophets around and commiserate and complain about the valley of dry bones. Come on. What are we going to do? Look at all these dry bones. Look at them. Like it wasn't enough even for him to internally pray. God had him open his mouth. He Come said, on. open your mouth and prophesy that these dry bones may live. And so... Calling, gifting, and anointing. Anointing gives purpose. That's Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. And so uh, we learn that there is calling, which gives identity, gifting, which gives ability, and anointing, which gives purpose. Mm. Now, there are people that can have a gift. That is your talent. That's the thing you're good at. You might be a drummer, but you ain't anointed. Wow. You might be a good speaker, but you're not anointed. We have to have all three working together a healthy identity, the gift, and the anointing from the right source. So, and this good. is the thing, too. People don't realize you get woke in the Holy Spirit, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and your spirit comes alive. Now, every single spirit in the supernatural realm knows that you're awake.
0: Yes, yes. Which
1: means you can hear from many spirits, not just the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important that we are people of discernment, people of the word. People that understand the word of God, so we know how to guard our hearts against false spirits, antichrist spirits, and false prophets. speak to us, and you know, what's crazy to me is that blind men and demons could find Jesus. We're the we can't. Wow, we're like looking around like, where is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Even demons could find him. Wow, and we're struggling, but that's why we need prophecy, as it's a serving gift that gives identity and makes us healthy and whole. I prophesied over people that were jacked up. That one word of knowledge about their life saved them mm. and changed them forever. We've got to get to a place where we can do that. And, and this is what I love about prophecy. When people get into this place of like, well, it's got to be advanced. It's, you know, I've got to have a vision of a, of a unicorn riding the back of a bear. And then Come if on. that unicorn's on the bear, then there's a rainbow. And that means that the Lord's saying, look, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak old English. That's just a version of the Bible people read Come on. that they quote to sound more spiritual. Come on. Okay? The Holy Spirit speaks to you in the context of your life, just like he did in the Bible. He speaks in the context of your life. Like I'm a child of the 80s. So like I grew up watching '80s movies like Goonies and Flight of the Navigator and Princess Bride and like all these cheesemo movies. And there's times where I'll be out and about, and the Holy Spirit will bring up a memory from one of those movies, and I'm like, oh, weird. What what's that about? And like I'm thinking of Princess Bride, where they're in the swamp and they're sinking, you know, in the quicksand, and the Holy Spirit's like, this guy's struggling with depression, and he feels like he's hanging on by a rope, getting swallowed up by life, and I'm like. Hey, dude, you're princess bride. And he starts crying. And he's like, I just watched that yesterday. Like the Holy Spirit uses the context of our lives to speak to us. We have to stop overcomplicating it and making it be like, oh, you know, oh, it's got to be this big vision or I've got to be visited by an angel to give a word. I want to say this too. If you need to be visited by an angel to speak a word, then you are immature because it takes no faith to have an encounter like that. Come on.
0: That's the a true word. faith
1: comes from not seeing the angel and choosing to speak the word of encouragement. God's looking for donkeys to ride in on. Come on, come on. <laughs> and, we're, and we're the donkeys. But we, we've got to get to a place where we are speaking because God's breaking out of the normal church. Come this on, is what I love. It. I, meet, I meet churches that are freaked out by the prophetic. Now, I'm usually the first person they ever bring in to prophesy. Uh, because I'm considered safe. I've got many years of of pedigree where people look at it and they're like, Well, he's safe. He's not pulling a bunch of weird stuff. Let's bring him in. Come on. But I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit's sending an invitation to the church. And if they don't respond, then he's sending it out to the streets. Wow. And they will respond. Wow. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I've I've when I lived in Los Angeles, I was I was put in crazy situations prophesying over people. I didn't know who they were. We were just at the park and somebody's like, Will you you pray for this guy? And I'm like, okay, I prayed for him, got a word, and it's like, oh, that's Michael Douglas's son. Wow! Like just crazy, crazy God ordained things. I was at, I'm going to share this story. I was at this conference um, in Houston, and uh, early on in ministry, I'm not famous. I'm still not famous, and I, I'm really happy about that. Like I don't care about any of that, but I don't expect people to know me. Is why I'm saying mm. that. And so I, I get booked at these conferences with well-known people. And usually people don't come to my session because I'm not well-known. Mm. And so they'll go to like Bill Johnson or they'll go see this guy or that guy. But then my session will be like crickets <laughs> because they're like, well, he's not, he's not ministry famous. Yeah, we don't know yeah. him. So they just don't show up. But <laughs> So we're doing this event in Houston and it's, it's me and uh, Bill Johnson and someone else. And they said, hey, we switched the night. Instead of Bill, it's going to be you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they send me out there. And um, I'm standing up there and I get this word for this woman. She's probably six rows back in a couple of chairs. And I was like, ma'am, would you you come up here? And she stands up and I don't have a word yet. I just know it's there. Mm. And I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, what do you have for me? And the Holy Spirit goes, tell her she's precious. And I was like, I'm not telling her she's precious. That's, I want something deeper. Give me her phone number. Give me her address. Give me something that will raise faith in the room. And the Holy Spirit says, who are you trying to impress them or me? Mm. And I was like, Oh, you, I want to impress you. I'm sorry. And he goes, tell her she's precious. And I was like, okay. And I said, ma'am, the Lord says you're precious. And she falls to the ground, sobbing, just wailing. And the rest of the word comes out. I didn't know was there. And I said, the Lord says, don't worry. I've already got your house built. Now I'm not the Oprah of the church. I'm not like you get a house and you get a house. Like, to the that's the not church. how I prophesy. That's not how I prophesy. I take ownership for what comes out of my mouth. And so I'm like, Okay, so she's sobbing and she comes up to testify. She had been suicidal for three weeks. She had made an agreement to take her own life that night if God didn't speak to her. And her first name is Precious. Wow. It's her first name. And she wasn't even from Houston. She was visiting from Louisiana, living in a FEMA trailer.
0: Say that one more and time,
1: your video out- cut out. Say where she live later. again? Yep. Uh, She lived in Louisiana, and she was living in a FEMA trailer. Wow. So she didn't have a house. And um, what happened was, um, three weeks later, we found out that her children and her church behind her back were working together and built her a new house from the foundation up and gave it to her. No way. So why did the Holy Spirit like ruin the big reveal three weeks early? Because she would have taken her life, and she would not have seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. She wouldn't have seen her breakthrough. And that's what prophecy is. It's arrows of breakthrough. Literally, somebody else's breakthrough is on the other side of your obedience. Come on. If if you don't speak it sometimes, it may not happen. I know that there's other people out there that could step up to the plate, but there's something very unique about God chose you. Mm. He gave you a word. He didn't give your neighbor the word. He gave you the word because it's DNA specific. Mm. I was, <laughs> I'll give you this example of a... a God crossing denominational boundaries. I was at a HEB here in Houston and I was shopping and I didn't want to be bothered. Yeah, preach. And, um, Yeah, I'm, I'm with my daughter and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, there's this guy in the deli section, this older man, and he goes, I want you to go prophesy over him about his uh, grandson. Let him know that his grandson will not OD. He will not die. He's ODing, but he will not die in the emergency room today. And I was like, okay, well, how do you make that segue? I'm all tatted up, you know, like, I look like I'm going to rob the guy versus pray for him. So I'm just like, all right, well, let me go up to him. And I'm like, hey, um, I'm a Christian. I didn't go up and go, thus thou verily unto the Lord this day. I am a level nine prophet. Hold my staff. Let me take off my cape and I will give you a word. Like, I just went over there and said, hey, dude, I'm a Christian. It might sound weird, but can I just pray for you? I didn't even announce that I was going to prophesy. I just said, can I pray for you? And he's like, uh, yeah. And I was like, Okay. So I pray for this guy and I let the prophetic word come out. I'm like, Lord, I thank you that his grandson shall live. He mm. shall live and not die. He, his organs will not be damaged. He will live. He will survive. Lord, today his grandson will survive in the hospital. And he just breaks and starts crying. And he's like, who, who are you? Like just sobbing. He's like, who do you, do you work for the hospital? Do you, were you just there? Do you recognize me? And I was like, no, dude. I said, I'm, he's like, he said, who do you work for? And I said, I work for a Jewish guy. Come on. (laughs) But um, so I I pray for him and we find out that all of that's true. And so then another word comes out and I saw him in a picture in my mind, not an angelic visitation, but a picture in my mind. Uh, I saw him sitting at the end of his bed, uh, praying if speaking in tongues was really wanted to do it. And he started to do it. Come on. And it it scared him and it stopped him. He was like, oh, I don't know if I should do it. And he's just white as a sheet now in this H-E-B. And he's like, I did that. And so the reason he was, so it turns out he's a judge, first of all. So he's this, he's a, he's a judge and was like, now like would call us and say, Hey, this case is coming up. Is God saying anything about it? Like, is wow. there any insight I need to have? But he was also formally one of the heads of the Southern Baptist convention. Mm. They don't believe in prophecy. Wow. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They believe it's actually demonic. And now he's being prophesied over and we're friends and wow. speaking into his life. And God's looking for just normal radical people that are, that are not pretentious, religious, uptight weirdos that aren't going to go up there and be like, oh, you know, like, get ready to receive from me. Like people that can just show up and be normal and anointed. God's looking for normal and anointed people that are not spooky but are powerful and profound. I
0: want to say something because I, I know what yeah. you're saying is so true. Because I know a lot of churches are turned off. In fact, a lot of churches don't even allow prophecy because of what you're saying. They're yes. turned off because they think, oh, it's some spooky, weird thing. And I was thinking yes. about churches that quench the Holy Spirit or quench the power of God. And Paul literally tells us not to quench. In First Thessalonians five nineteen, he says, "Do not quench the spirit." But I want you guys to see what he connects it with. He says, "Don't quench the spirit." And he says, and do not despise prophecy, but instead test everything that I said. So Paul yes. attaches quenching the Holy Spirit, moving in the church with quenching prophecy. Paul connects yes. them both together and says, listen, if you're in a church now, listen, I'm not going to tell you, leave your church. No, I don't believe in that. I don't believe we should tell people, right. leave this or that. But I'm saying if we don't allow as pastors and leaders and Christians, the spirit of prophecy to begin to work in our yes. life, the gift of prophecy to awaken, we are literally quenching the Holy Spirit. How are we quenching yes. the Holy Spirit? By not allowing prophecy, because the Holy Spirit is longing and literally dying. And I'm saying that, you know, the word dying, not as a literal term, but dying to get out and to speak out of us. Here's the bottom line reality. I believe God can give dreams and God can give visions. And you know, the atheist neighbor down the road, God can visit them in the dream if he wants. And God does that mm-hmm. on rare occasions. The pri- Listen guys, the primary yes. way God speaks in the Bible, don't make me run around here because yeah. I'm all clapping already the primary God speaks is through other people that's how God speaks in Scripture and so our neighbor how's our neighbor going to hear from God if we don't open up our mouths and prophesy now I love what you said because this is the number one issue I'm going to tell you guys why I believe the number one issue why people don't prophesy there's 850 of you to the dot in the chat and let me tell you why you don't prophesy this is why I believe the number one reason why people do not prophesy and will never be able to say man I could I have testimonies of people I gave words to is because what you said already they think that prophecy is always spontaneous so for instance when I posted the flyer about we're going to teach how to prophesy what does everyone say oh you can't teach to prophesy which by the way you can that's why they had the school of prophets in the Bible we won't we won't we won't get into that and make some of you mad and make you manifest but (laughs) we think prophecy is always spontaneous so what do we do Luke we go to the grocery store we go to work we go to school and we think Lord, if you want to get me to give a word to this person, yes. then you're going to send him, like you just said, an angel or there's going to be a warm filling from the top of my head to the feet, yeah. And then I'm going to open my mouth and it's going to start yep. coming out of my mouth. This is why people don't speak in tongues because they're waiting for it to magically come out of their mouth. This is why people yep. don't lay hands on the sick because they're waiting for God to speak to them. Even though you never waited in the world for the devil to speak to you, to do his work. Whoa. You sit there yeah, waiting, bro. waiting, come waiting. On. And so what do we do? We spend our entire lives like the man at the pool waiting for something to be stirred and waiting for something to happen instead of realizing that you can activate it and you can open up your mouth. In fact, let me give you a verse that prophecy is not always spontaneous. We activate it by faith. First Corinthians 14, 32. What did Paul say? He says remember now this is Paul cuz all you guys are going to want to argue if I just said this you guys would all argue me but let me just give you a verse because Paul said argue with Paul you can't argue with this he's already <laughs> dead you can't argue with Paul He said remember that people who prophesy I'm reading word for word now thank you Matt Cruz He says remember people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns why did paul say that because paul said listen stop waiting for some mystical magical gold dust feathers. i love all of it but paul says don't wait for that because don't you know that you're in control of your spirit and those who prophesy could literally take turns i think some people think you know like if we prophesy over the chat people say well how could you prophesy over the chat you know it has to be god giving the word no 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 The word prophesying is us speaking the divine word of God over people, what God is saying to them. I could read your name and activate the gift of prophecy and give you a prophetic word on the spot because Paul says the spirit is subject to the prophet. Your spirit is subject to you. And so we have to stop waiting. I came to tell somebody, stop waiting around for somebody to give you gold dust or a special word and begin to open up your mouth and begin to prophesy over people. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 is telling us the order of prophecy and teaching one person. You can't teach prophecy. What is first Corinthians 14? Paul literally teaches us how to prophesy and the yes. order that we need to do it. So I think we need to realize Luke is like when we're giving prophetic words and guys tonight, we're not talking about the office. We're not talking about preaching. We can go into an hour on preaching prophetically. It's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We are challenging you and teaching you to give words to people in the grocery store, in your family, in your neighborhood, because literally I believe one of the main powers or the main is a prophecy is it opens people up to the gospel as you just gave that judge at the grocery store the word of God the moment you give him the word you're not having to convince him oh you need to believe in Jesus he yes. doesn't have to convince he already knows Jesus is real because his question yes. is who told you all of that? And your next yes. answer is Jesus told me that. I remember I was one time at In-N-Out years ago. I'd first gotten saved. And honestly, I didn't have much money, just being real with you. I had like $200 in my mm. bank account. I just gotten saved. I worked at Starbucks. I was making no money. And I was at like, In-N-Out, we just got out of revival meeting. I was fired up. We were at, you know, In-N-Out where everyone goes after revival. And we're sitting there and I saw this guy sitting on this random table. And the Lord instantly told me, said, go across the street to the bank, pull out $100, which by the way, was half of my, <laughs> half of my net worth, the Holy Spirit. Said, give yeah, him half your net yeah. worth right I had $200 yeah, in my bank. Yeah. Holy Spirit said give him a hundred dollars because he doesn't believe I'm real and I'm gonna prove to him I'm real and I'm thinking okay if you're gonna prove yourself Holy Spirit you don't need a hundred dollars to do it and the Lord said go 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 so I fought it I bought my food I sat there I was I was like sweating my heart was racing because I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me to give this guy a hundred dollars so I told everyone I'll be right back like where are you going I was like I'm just gonna go to the ATM I'll be right back so I go I get a hundred dollars long story short I go up to his table I'm like hey you're gonna think I'm crazy But God spoke to me and said to give you this $100. He starts crying, literally bawling. He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, my two daughters and my wife are in the car. We're completely homeless. We have no money. We have no money for gas. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm on the verge of depression, suicide. He started naming everything. He said, listen he said I'm not lying when I walked in this in and out five minutes ago I literally said God if you're real and you care about me you'll have somebody come up to me and give me a hundred dollars he said and you walked up and I was just about to denounce and say God's not real he doesn't care and you walked up random kid and gave me a hundred dollars guys here's what you have to understand their breakthrough is on the other side of your obedience I, I think we've taken the sovereignty of God Luke too far and now we're yeah. using the sovereignty of God to justify our lazy i remember i was at uh, a fresh start and there was uh, an atheist sitting in the very back i didn't know and i was at the hotel and the lord kept telling me somebody lives on cherry lane they're going to be in the meeting i want you to call them out i was like no i totally forgot about it. i was praying in my hotel i'm in the middle of preaching there's like thousands of people i'm you know i'm trying to impress everybody i'm like in this you know doing my thing dude I'm like okay at the altar time I'll prophesy the Lord says stop your preaching I have this on my Instagram if you scroll down far enough you'll find it he says stop the preaching and call out the guy who lives on Cherry Lane and so I said listen guys and this is on video I said there's somebody in here you guys are gonna think I'm crazy I have to stop in the middle of my sermon even though it it's really good message I was trying to preach I have to call there's a guy here living on Cherry Lane I know you guys think I'm crazy is there anyone in here no one raises their hand I said okay I'm gonna say it one more time in the very back, this kid raised hand. I'm talking last row. I have a picture. He's sitting in the last row. The church seats, like 2,000, 1,500 people. I go up to him. I start praying over him. His friend said he's atheist. He didn't want to come. And he convinced him to come that God was going to speak to him. Now I want you guys to think about this. I'm preaching to a massive church, doing my thing. What I feel God's called me to do. God stops the meeting to talk to an atheist sitting in the very back. Now, I, to be honest, I didn't even think it was good. I was like, there's no way someone in here lives on Cherry Lane. I'm in the middle of a city. I've never been, I don't know anything about this city turns out i looked up cherry lane after and i posted a picture of it it's literally like four houses in that massive city of 100 people it's four houses and what are the odds of this kid living in cherry lane coming who's an atheist and i looked at him as he's crying i said you will never again for the rest of your life be able to deny god for the rest of your life this is guys the power of prophecy people's yes. lives get changed people get opened up to the gospel Let me, i'm gonna say one last thing i'm gonna turn it back over here paul says this in first corinthians 14 24. If all of you are prophesying and unbelievers who don't understand these things come out, come into your meeting. This what he says: they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say as they listen, because their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will falter their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly among you. Paul says this: when you prophesy, people's secrets are being exposed, and Paul says, here's what's going to happen once their secrets are exposed: shame's not going to come on them guilt's not going to come on them condiment he says they're going to literally fall to their knees and begin to worship God and know that God is among you these are not believers Paul says because Paul goes on and says unbelievers people that don't understand these things come into your meeting so Paul's saying these are not believers yet they worship and praise God simply because you expose their thoughts or secrets and they realize God was among you this is the power that we're, we're telling you that needs to be released tonight God is beginning to stir up even now some of you are already getting prophetic words the gift of prophecy it can't just be spontaneous. We have to realize that we could control the gift just like any other gift. I'm turning back over to you. I'm sorry. I'm just going on and on and on here. No, I love
1: it. I love it. So I love, I want to touch point here on what you just said about bubbling forth. So like the spontaneity of prophecy. So there's two basic divisions in the Hebraic for, for a prophet. There's Nabi, which is N-A-B-I and there's Navi, which is Mm. N-A-V-I. N-A-B-I means to bubble forth. That would Mm. be like an Ezekiel. Like all of a sudden it just comes out but a navi means spokesperson which was like Isaiah Isaiah was a spokesperson he was deliberate he sought the lord he asked he inquired and he had control over it and so and people could operate under either umbrella but people because it's really interesting because some of the most opinionated people i've met on prophecy are the most ignorant biblically
2: wow and
1: it's it's very interesting because we're in a we're also in a racial fight right now in america there's yeah. a lot of racial tension and um, a religious spirit and racism are fueled by the same thing, which is ignorance. Mm. And I believe that that's why they're also coming to a forefront right now as well uh, concerning these things. Cause as ignorance rises and creates more, uh, you know, of this social unrest related to racial issues, so does this ugly spirit raise its head in the church of religion mm. to try to control things. But um, I love the fact, by the way, that you, Literally used all my scriptures. Come today. on, I know, I know. I was thinking, I was like,
0: I need to be careful because I'm giving away. And no, I'm totally no, no, using no, all no, those verses. I'm,
1: I'm super happy because that's prophetic. I mean, literally the actual verses you spoke. I've got everything lined out here. Mm. Uh, so people ask me on the and they're like, "Can I uh, think of it like you're driving your car?" You sorry, on I'm the radio. sorry. Say it one more yeah, time. are uh, having we're having server issues.
0: Your... Say it one more yeah. time. I'm sorry about that.
1: Yeah. No, no, you're fine. So when you're in a car and you have your radio on, you're listening to music. That artist does not live in the dashboard of your car. Wow. You have an antenna that's picking up something in the atmosphere. And so God is always thinking about us. He's never quiet, except for in the book of Revelation, but wow. he's never quiet. His, his, the word says that his thoughts for us outnumber the sand of the seashore. So he, each person is over a seashore of thoughts to God. So he never runs out of ideas. We have the Holy Spirit uh, who is God to tap into those ideas. So we don't have to pop blood vessels Come to get on. words of encouragement. You know, I tell people there you'll never find anything more prophetic than the Bible. Come like on. Like the Holy spirit breathes on scriptures and you say, Hey man, I don't know what you're going through, but you know, uh, in the book of first Corinthians, it says, blood, you know, like, and the Holy spirit will breathe on his scripture, but people don't look at that as prophetic. Wow. They're like, Oh, that no, was just a verse in my head. And the Holy spirit's like, really? You think that was you? Wow. That wasn't you. That was me. I breathed on that. Um, I want to share this, this last story here. I know we're um, doing, doing some time here, but we're good. um,
2: good.
1: Okay. I want to share this last story about the importance, you know, prophesying is an act of obedience. It's not about like, I don't, I prophesy over probably 15,000 people a year. Wow, That's individual prophetic words. Um, and the thing that motivates me is love. I'm motivated by love-motivated obedience. I don't do it out of religious obligation. So good. Um, I do it out of love-motivated obedience. That's why 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter before 1 Corinthians 14, which is about prophecy, because love is a prerequisite to be taught how to prophesy. That has to be the motivator. And so it's a service gift. And so I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, who here is is desperate who here needs help who here needs a word of hope and um my wife and i were my wife and i were up in canada we were doing a conference up there and um the holy spirit highlighted this couple to me and i was like okay when i say highlighted i don't mean a shaft of light you know they just stood out and i couldn't Mm. stop looking back at them Mm. and i'm like okay you know and the reason i clarify that is because language matters people over spiritualize things like oh a shaft i have to see the shaft of light no somebody just i couldn't stop looking at them so I was like, the Lord's highlighting them. So I, I called them up and I was like, would you two please stand up? And I said, your children's pastor's in the city. We were in uh, Ottawa, somewhere in Canada, I think, or British Columbia. And uh, I was like, your children's pastor's in the city. And they start crying, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, and I was like, well, you're going to write curriculum for children's ministry. And they're crying and like, it's bearing witness. And then the Holy Spirit said, um, uh, she can have no children of her own. And her job and her ministry is a reminder of the one thing she can't have wow and the holy spirit said and it's starting to make her bitter and i was like uh i don't know what to do with that what do you want me i'm not going to prophesy first corinthians 14 3 we prophesy to edify and exhort and uplift so i'm like lord i need a different way to say that you know because and the lord didn't say it in a negative way it's that we hear things through an earthly filter first so when i hear a word from the holy spirit i say how do you want me to say that to make sure i'm hearing it right And so the Holy Spirit said, tell her this time next year she'll embrace the son, just like the Shunammite woman. And I was like, no, I'm not saying that. I was like, I'm not doing that. What if it doesn't happen? What if I prophesy that and it builds her up in hope and she never has it. And now her faith is shipwrecked because of my ignorance. And the Holy Spirit said this, Luke, if you don't say it, it won't happen.
0: Wow, say that.
1: And so now her destiny and hope is attached to my obedience to believe what God said, to have faith. And all faith is, is believing that God told you the truth. So when he tells you something to prophesy, you can't call him a liar. You have to agree with him. And so I said, okay, Lord. So I told her, I said, this time next year, you'll embrace a son. And she fell to the ground sobbing and screaming and yelled, no. She's like no, and I was like, You're like "Oh, oh that's no, not good. yeah, yeah," I, and it didn't get resolved in that meeting. I was like, "This is terrible." For like months, I was haunted by this screaming no, oh, man. and so my wife and I are at home. Months had gone by, and I get an email from this woman, and she's like, "Hey, I'm emailing you um, to let you know I was the woman you called out at that conference," and she said I was so angry at you. Um, she said I didn't, you know, I had wanted children so bad. And of course the Lord highlighted my issue and I wasn't ready for it to be drug up again. And I had finally made peace with never having children. She said, so I thought, and she said, but I'm emailing you today to let you know that I months."
0: Oh, you just got cut off. The devil is a liar. Say it one more time. I'm sorry. Just cut out. I don't know why the server is going up and down. Say it one more time.
1: Yep. Uh, She said, she said, I'm emailing you now to let you know that I'm eight months pregnant. Come on. That I'm having a boy and I'm going to raise him as a prophet to the nation of Canada. She said, <laughs> the reason I screamed no, the reason I was so heartbroken, she said, what you didn't know about me before you prophesied was that I had already had a hysterectomy. Wow. A partial, a partial hysterectomy. She has no full uterus to carry a child. So her doctor, her OBGYN, who is what? Hindu, got saved because her baby, her uterus grew back because it was a partial hysterectomy her uterus grew back faster than the baby formed and so i asked the holy spirit i said how did you do that because like like i said i'm the dude that doesn't believe stuff like i'm from the the punk rock culture like growing up listening to rancid and no effects like not believing any religion stuff and i was like holy spirit how did you do that and he said oh that was easy If I can, if I can knit you together in your mother's womb, I can knit together your mother's womb.
0: Wow. Woo. Come on. Holy. I was just like,
1: dude, now she's got several kids. Like, I mean, my wife and I couldn't have kids. We got kids miraculously. We shouldn't be able to have have kids.
0: We have a fourth one coming any day now.
1: Dude, we've had 33 couples approach us. We don't approach people. They come to us. There's an anointing tonight, guys. Would you, would you pray for this for us to have children? and, and we're going to pray for that three after three we're going to i'm yeah. going to have
0: luke pray for that at the end because there's some of you right now in the chat that are typing as he's saying that that you're barren that's you and tonight yeah. we're going to yeah. pray by faith that God is yeah. going to open up your womb and the one that knits the babies in the womb could heal the womb I love what you just said and you know I was thinking about as we were I was I was praying earlier why prophecy is so important And you just said it, it brings life to people prophecy yes. guys and we're talking about giving prophetic words you don't understand that your prophetic word will bring life into some situations oftentimes I found you know Luke prophesying over people and you prophesy way more than I do that oftentimes the words you give people or this people you prophesy over usually feel hopeless usually feel like they're at a place. They're either on the brink of divorce. They have a kid that's out there. They just lost a job or a home. They're confused about where they're at in their life. And oftentimes God will give you a word in a situation that seems hopeless to bring life back to the person. You know, I didn't tell you this Luke, but our ministry, let me just give you guys a background here. Our ministry was a result of a prophetic word. My encounter was a result of a prophetic word. My uncle, who we call Nino, a lot of you know him. Who's my pastor. Who's watching right now. He got a prophetic word three years before. I got saved by a guy you might know him Joshua Fowler who does prophetic ministry he was in Florida and Joshua Mm -hmm. Fowler called him out in the very back mind you at this time none of his nephews are saved none of his nieces none of us are saved we're all out there atheists, partying drinking I was in a metal band as well and I was out there Mm. playing shows on tour we were literally all out there everybody was out there none of us were serving God he gets a prophetic word he's serving God my parents are serving God that's it he gets a prophetic word from Joshua Fowler in the middle of a meeting and he wrote it down and his the word was God's going to use you to raise up an army in your family there's gonna be a mighty revival a mighty army literally our ministry our revival which started in our living room is on that piece of paper three years before it happened literally word for word what God did in our living room with our family where thousands got saved in our house was on that piece of paper so here's what he did and here's what I want to tell you guys tonight he wrote it down and he kept reminding God every so often reminding God because the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it I, three years go by, and he's going, God, where is this word? This word makes absolutely no sense. And he told, he tells it like this. He said, "Listen, when I got the word." I didn't think he had the right guy. I literally thought you must have the right guy, wrong guy, which guys, you got to hear this when you prophesy a lot of times you're thinking, I wonder if I got the right guy, because sometimes the person on the outside and notice guys, the gift of prophecy is not the gift of assumption. It's not the gift of obvious. Yes. It's, it's sometimes yeah. you look at people like I've gotten words where I'm like, there's no way this guy's a millionaire or there's no way this guy has a business or there's no, cause the way they look, but you have to realize God doesn't look at the outwards. The Bible says God looks at the inward. God yes. does not look at outward appearance. So you can't let that catch you off but i want to say my uncle situation my family situation it was completely spiritually hopeless this is why ezekiel 37 7 as you said it he said so i prophesied to the dry bones and the and a noise begin to happen and the bones begin to recover skin and all that but yeah. ezekiel said listen god didn't say ezekiel just pray for the bones he said, Ezekiel, you need to prophesy over the dead situation. Yes. And when you prophesy, life is going to come back into that situation. That's the exciting part about the prophetic ministry, which, like I said, there's 850 you watching. All of you are called because you're able to begin to speak life into your coworkers, into your friends, into your family. And you just have to open up your mouth. Guys, there's not a magical thing we can give you. I want you to touch on this, Luke. I'm going to ask you something here, but I think for me, When I prophesy, oftentimes, this is me personally, God will just give me one word and that's it. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I say after that? And God's like, Mm -hmm. step, Abraham, just go. Well, where am I going? God's like, just go. He's like, where am I going? He's like, when you take the first step, I'll give you the next one. So for me, and I wanna ask you, just take us through, you know the basic steps of like what you're thinking when you prophesy because i think a lot of people like for instance when i hear you say you prophesy and i hear you give these words my because i'm a nerd i'm thinking like okay so what's going on in your mind when you're approaching them what are you thinking what are you praying for me i oftentimes guys and this is just practical steps we're giving you I just get one word, so I'll look at somebody, and I'll look, usually I like to look him in the eye, and I'll just get one word, and then after that, I give the word, and I don't have another word, like, I have one word, once I say it, by faith, the Holy Spirit gives me the next word, and I start saying it, and then it goes, oh, this happened, to you with this and this, I flow that way, that's how I flow, I've talked to Mar Murillo, he'll actually see the words, like, in the Spirit, and that's kind of how he flows, um, give us... M- Uh, The basic, like what you're thinking when you prophesy, if someone's in the chat right now, they're brand new, they've never given a prophetic word, like from the moment you get it, how does it work for you? Take us through that process.
1: So an interesting thing is the Holy Spirit and Satan both speak in first person, which Mm -hmm. means they sound like you. That's so good. And so that's why when Satan tempts us, we take it on as our thought life. And then we come into shame instead of actually rebuking him. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us in first person, we think it's us and we don't give him the credit. Mm. And so we wind up dismissing it, sitting under the dashlight of our car, wondering why we didn't say that thing that we should have said to that person. And so um, for me, it's, it started off as pictures or a sentence. Sometimes it, uh, like in my mind, I'll see like a hand writing a sentence, mm. and then I'll just read what the sentence says, or I'll see a picture like Polaroids or like, kind of like a movie script or a movie scene or something like that starring the person I'm prophesying over. Wow! And so, um, the way it worked out in the beginning, when I first started like doing full-time ministry was I had a little notebook and a pen and I would write down, you know, guy in the blue shirt. And then I would write down what the Lord was telling me and then I would, you know, get up and teach or, you know, preach whatever. And then when it came time for ministry, I would call them up and read off what I had written down. Um, and then it came to a place where the Holy Spirit's like, okay, um, I want you to put your notebook down and I'm going to highlight that person and I'm going to tell you all about them. And then you're going to call them up. I'm like, okay. Wow. So then I, I went to that phase and then it went from that to the Lord saying, okay, I'm going to highlight somebody, but I'm not going to tell you what to say until they come up. Mm. And so I'm like, okay. And so then I, like, it's, it's, there's so much leaning that is required in the prophetic and in ministry in general, in your Christian life, you got to lean on the Lord. And so I'm like, all right, Lord. So then somebody would be kind of highlighted. I'd call them up the second they got up there right away. Boom. The word came. Then it got to a place where the Holy Spirit's like, I'm not highlighting anybody. And I'm like, well, then how, how am I going <laughs> to prophesy over anybody? And he goes, Luke, I'm not highlighting anybody because I have a word for anyone.
0: Wow. That's so and good. So, say that again. Say that again. For those of you that missed that, say that again.
1: Yeah. So the Holy Spirit said, I'm not going to highlight anybody in the room. I'm going to let you choose because I have a word for so anyone. good. He said, I think about everyone. And so, I mean, I've put it to the test where I've been like, okay, well, I got nothing for this guy. So let's call him up and he'll come up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, and I'll just start getting these words about mm. that. And they're just sobbing and like, it's absolutely the Lord and it's verifiable. Also, I just want to plug this real quick. I have a book on my website called The Art of Hearing the Father. It's over 300 pages of training Mm. and prophecy, dream interpretation, prophetic definitions, all that kind of stuff. It actually just got endorsed by the Assemblies of God uh, by Alton Garrison and a bunch of great people that are in my life that are kind of like plumb line holders for me that endorse the book. So it's not weird. It's not full of creepy stuff. It's biblical. Everything's got a verse in it to support it. So- um but if people are curious we've got that and then some other stuff too
0: awesome so I'm going to ask you a couple so guys what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple frequently asked questions and then we're going to pray for an activation of prophecy and then we're going to pray that all of you would begin to prophesy and I'll, I'll just say this I'm just going to say this because this is how I started prophesying your family are good people to practice on. Just letting you know. Like I started prophesying over my family, over my brother, over my sister, over my parents. And that's literally how I got started in the gift of prophecy. So don't be afraid to prophesy over your loved ones. Prophesy over good friends of yours. Because if you mess up, you're like, oh, sorry, I love you, you know me. You know what I'm saying? So that's a great way to start. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a couple uh, frequently asked questions you guys have been asking in the chat to him. And then we're going to pray that God would activate. So don't get off because the most important part is at the end when we pray. But I'm just gonna ask him a couple questions I know you guys keep asking, you keep wondering, um, the first one is if I give a prophetic word or let me just get put two of them together. Mm -hmm. If I give a prophetic word or if I receive a prophetic word and it doesn't come to pass, does it mean I'm a false Mm -hmm. prophet or the person that gave it was a false prophet? I know everyone keeps asking that in the chat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a frequently asked question in our ministry school on prophecy. So, um, immaturity is different than, uh, than being a false prophet people have to learn to hear. They have to be trained to hear. So they might make some juvenile mistakes when they're first starting out. Those are correctable and those don't define you as a false prophet. Mm. Well, we have to get to a place of education in the body of Christ where the Bible's specific about what defines a false prophet. A false prophet is not somebody who uh, is trying to please God who makes a mistake. God's not going to punish people for attempting to please him.
0: That's so good. Uh, a,
1: A false prophet is somebody that denies the resurrection of Jesus Christ denies that Jesus is the son of God is in covenant with an antichrist spirit and uses manipulative motives to pull others to themselves instead of point to Christ. Mm. Those are the biblical examples of what a false prophet is. It's not somebody that makes mistakes. Um, you know, we tell people like that's why we have the school is that people can learn to take some bumps and this is a safe place to fail and get up again and sharpen your hearing and learn to separate because you've got different voices. So you've got your carnal Voice inside of you, you've got the Holy Spirit, and then you've got the enemy. Yeah. So you've got to learn to decipher those three voices. Um, so but again, good. people, the, the enemy wants people paralyzed because if you don't prophesy, then you're not reproducing.
0: Wow, that's good and I think too people don't realize as you said that prophetic words as well a lot of times are conditional so I I know people personally they'll get a prophetic word they're not gonna they're not pushing into Christ they're not praying they're not reading they're not even seeking God at all and they sit around waiting for that word they got to come to pass but they don't realize that you have to work with God like give them something to work with I think a lot of us will give God like five twigs and ask him to build us a log cabin and God's like give me something to work with you know so I I think it's we have to make it clear that to people that like even if you look at Jonah's word, which is a perfect example of God's going to destroy this place. That was the prophetic word. Like God gave Jonah yes. the word. Jonah didn't false yep. prophesy. And then the people, what happened? They repented and God didn't yes. destroy the city. And now Jonah's mad because his prophetic word God gave him didn't come to pass. And everyone's like, well, Jonah, didn't you say? And Jonah's like, what are they going to think about me, Lord? But they don't. But we don't realize that the conditional word was if there was no repentance, the city would be destroyed. And the people repented and God was able to change his mind. It doesn't mean that the word wasn't right. It's because the people were, the word was predicated on their obedience. So I'm, I'm saying that to say, don't, a lot of you have words that God's called you to ministry, but here's the thing. Yeah. Like God gave me a word last year. You're going to do online ministry. Here's the reality. I had to nerd out. I spent 40 hours a week minimum watching videos on how to do live streaming how to use OBS how to use discord how to get it to Facebook how to have alerts on screen how to this microphone the Holy Ghost did not set this microphone up I had actually set. (laughs) I actually had to plug in this microphone I had to buy a power source I had to Google troubleshoot YouTube for hours like 150 hours minimum to learn how to do my setup right no one taught me I had to learn but here's what you have to understand I didn't get the word that God was going to put me into online ministry and give me this online following and then sit on my hands, watching Netflix all day and saying, okay, Lord, I'm waiting for my online ministry. God is saying, you have to get out of the lazy boy and realize there's work to be done in the kingdom. Work is a biblical principle. It is not a cuss word. It's a biblical principle. So when we get prophetic words, we have to work. That's why the Bible says, if you believe and work the word, the word will work, but there has to be work involved to be able to do the prophetic word. Okay. Let me ask you the next question are there certain things let's just do this for new people okay so let's just this isn't like guys this is not if you're in the office of a prophet or your pastor we're not talking about that we're talking about the mm-hmm. basic average believer that is able to prophesy because we already gave you the verse in the beginning we all could prophesy um so they're in the chat right now they've maybe prophesied once or twice or they've never prophesied and they're just going to start out after the stream praise the lord they're just going to start prophesying mm-hmm. is there certain things that they should not prophesy that's a good question yes there.
1: So, in um, some of the, di- the differences between being in the office of prophet and uh, operating in prophetic ministry, we tell people that are operating in prophetic ministry do not prophesy marriages, deaths, or births. That's good. Stay, stay away from those things. Stay away from directional words like you're going to move to Montana.
0: That's good.
1: Bridges. Like try to stay clear of directional words, words promising, uh, again, marriages, deaths, or births. Stay in the vein of just encouraging. Uh, uplifting the spirit, you know, uplifting their life, you know, um, and leave those words of correction, uh, and words of like marriage, death, birth, stuff, like in, uh, have the accountability, uh, in that office. Uh, but I do want to say this real quick when yeah. you were talking about, um, when you said about words, um, you have to participate in the word. Every prophetic word is a dance. And so God's saying, hey, I'm looking for partners to get up and dance. All sovereignty means is a supreme power. It doesn't mean that he does the heavy lifting for you. It doesn't mean he does everything for you. It means that he's looking, love demands a response. So prophecy demands a response. I've met a lot of people that are like, well, God knows where I live. Do you know how arrogant that is to be like, oh, really? Oh, really? The uncreated God of the universe that exists outside of time is on your dime and on your clock. Like you still have to get up and do something about it. I've met people that they don't do their thing, so they miss their word. Mm. And the, th- the thing is this, is prophetic words, there, some prophetic words have time stamps on them. They've got a, a, a go bad by date. That's good. And, but the thing is, is this too, a prophetic word is sewn into your DNA. It's now a part of your genetic makeup, which means if you come back into alignment with that word, it'll be there for you.
0: Mm. But if
1: you don't, then that time might pass. Wow. And so it's, yeah, I mean, people still have to, to do the dance
0: and I want to say guys I know some of you're asking the chat you don't have to receive every prophetic word you get I had I had no, a person I had no. a person give me yeah. a prophetic word and they're like I just see a job season coming on you and my prayer was Lord yeah. double that up and send it back to sender because I'm not yeah. receiving it right because people yeah. will miss the mark not only that some people and yeah. I want to say because what you said earlier was so important about the God gave you the download of the traumatic experience the girl went through and all you said was God's gonna bring you a baby a lot of yeah. times for me I'm just gonna I'm just trying to help the chat here. God will give me Something whether it's explicit or they went through, not so that I could tell them, but so that I know the direction of what to pray for them and what to prophesy. So I love what you said because I'll get a word like someone was molested or raped. I don't call them out and say, but I'll say, you know what? God wants to heal you from something that happened to you as a kid, or God wants to restore you in this area, or God wants to give you your purity back. I don't need to say, well, you you were a prostitute. Like you don't have to call out people's sin. There are occasions if you're in the uh, the office of the prophet, which in my church I'm in that office, I'm able to speak a word not just over the church, but I'm able to speak out. On people's lives on my team. Like yes. I'll say, "Hey, listen, yeah. God showed me you're involved in this pornography or this and God's saying if yep. you don't change." But as a general word, when I get words and I'm prophesying publicly or on the microphone or even just people yep. at the altar because I really like to just flow at the altar with prophecy, yes. I'm yes. I'm yes. asking yeah. the Lord, "Okay, Lord, you're giving me this. How do you want me to say it?" Because not yeah. all the time do you need to say it the way God gave it to you because sometimes You can say something and it's completely you say it the way you heard it and it's not the way god wants you to say it so i would say too as you're prophesying pray that god would give you you know wisdom and revelation and then i want to say one last thing and i I want you to touch on this if you can i think one pitfall which Bill Hammond has a good book on the pitfalls of the prophetic but one pitfall yes. on the prophetic is when we start prophesying out of our imagination and that's in Ezekiel 13 2. um he says son of mm-hmm. man prophesy against the prophets of Israel so now God's telling Ezekiel to prophesy against the prophets of Israel and this is basically I'm not going Old Testament on you I just want to say what he says he says yep. to say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination to hear the word of the Lord so yep. it's possible for us to prophesy legitimately think we're prophesying and it be out of our imagination and I've done that before and yes. I've repented saying Lord that was actually." out of my imagination you know luke yeah. what i've come to find and you can touch on this is sometimes, when we, th- sometimes the way we start prophesying out of our imagination is when we try to make the prophetic word too long. So let me give you an example. Yeah. Sometimes when we yeah. prophesy, it's a good word. Like I've had times where I'm prophesying, I'm like, oh, this is really juicy and good. Like I'm just hitting it. I know it's the Holy Ghost. And then it's like yeah. the Holy Ghost stops speaking, but it's like so good that I just want to keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I'll start going on and on and on. And then I'm like, oh, and I, I realize like I'm prophesying out of my imagination. And here's what I want yeah. to say about that you can look at somebody because of the way they're dressed, because you know them yeah. from prior experience and you can yep. um, foresee something in their future. Like, okay, for instance, if you do this relationship, this is going to happen and you start prophesying out of your imagination. Cause you can think you can yep. imagine like if she stays with him, this will happen. So you prophesy that, yes. but it's really not the Lord it's your imagination. So um, if you want to just touch on when do we, as we're prophesying, when's a good time to stop and be like, okay, the Lord's done speaking. I mean, is that something that mm. happens with maturity or?
1: Yeah, it's exactly that. It it comes with discernment and maturity. And it will it's like an onion. Like I've met like when I first started prophesying, it was like anything goes. Like it was just whatever. And then it was like, "Oh, like that guy never moved to Mars." You know, like it was yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. like just
0: but what <laughs> was of those the things president?
1: That, right, right. It's one of those things that comes with maturity and discernment and time and trying and failing. That's how it works. To where, but the great thing about it is as you, as you discerning of spirits, discerning of voices, you then now know the difference between your internal imagination and the Holy Spirit. I was at a Golden Corral in Missouri, in Branson, Missouri. I preached at a church and I said, y'all I need the Holy Spirit. So we need to go to Golden Corral yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can, so I can get me some buffet. And so um, I went to the buffet there. And there's a woman sitting at, the, at a table by herself. And the Lord said, hey, uh, tell her that she's going to be the next mayor of Branson. What? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, that's got to be my hyperactive imagination. And the Holy, I felt it so strong and such an impulse. I walked by her and I said, you're going to be the next mayor of Branson, Missouri. And she's like, what? what? And she got up and came to our table. She's like, I'm not interested in politics at all. And um, I was like, okay, I'm just telling you what. I thought if I'm wrong, forgive me. You don't have to receive it. You can throw it away. It's not like, it's not like I threw it at you and now you have to have it, you know? And so I was like, it's okay. So she ran and she won in a landslide and became the mayor of Branson. So you just, you become, after a season, you learn the maturity of of learning and discerning to be like, oh, that's the Holy spirit. That's That's wild enough that I know it didn't originate from in me. But people um, want to avoid making mistakes um, and get to a place of perfection. But the only way you get to perfection is by making those mistakes and learning.
0: That's so good. And this will be, I'm going to ask you one more question. Then I have one personal question. Then we're going to pray. Um, the last one is, and this is what everyone's going to keep asking. Everyone's going to message us after how do I know if I'm hearing God or it's just my thoughts?
1: (laughs) So again, it's trial and error. You can still, you can still have a spiritual experience like you're reading the word of God. You're sowing the word into your spirit, right? Into your flesh, you're reading the word of God. So you can still hear things from yourself that are not demonic, yeah. but they're also not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and that would be like the imagination kind of yeah. things like that. But the only way that we're going to learn the difference is by doing it. So good. That, that's it. People, aren't, people want an, uh, an easy answer to go, oh, it's this yeah. is the math. If, if this and this, then I know it's this. Nope. It's the Lord's like, no, you're going to have to learn to hear the voice difference. You're going to have to learn to know who's speaking to you. And the only way to do that is by stepping out in faith and doing it.
0: That's so good. And I will say this. I think a lot of people mistake the voice of God because they're waiting for the fire, the cloud, the tornado, yes, the yeah. whirlwind, but the Bible says he didn't come in the fire, the cloud, the whirlwind, which is all great, but he came as yeah. a still small voice. For me, I think of oftentimes
1: we, we have
0: to realize like the voice of God is that still small voice and we miss it. If we have too much noise in our life, like if there's too much going yeah. on in your head space in your mind space, because you're really, your mind only has a certain amount of space in the day where you could think like you only have a certain amount of thought yes. space. And if we cloud our our space which which like i said i have nothing wrong with watching some movies playing some games do what you do but don't let your mind be so clouded with the video games and the netflix and the television and the instagram and the facebook and the hulu and the disney plus and the youtube red and all the little gadgets and trinkets and tentacles that we miss out that god is trying to whisper to us when everyone's yelling at us so there's times where you just need to shut everything down and say lord yes. i want, I need to hear your small voice and I'll, I'll say as you begin to as you said prophesy and you step out by faith and guys what we're trying to tell you tonight is that prophecy is like a light switch you just have to turn it on by faith you can't wait for something magical you have to turn it out by faith and then um recognize that the voice isn't some you know some mystical thing and you know even luke when i give my testimony Obviously, you have a really radical testimony. I have a radical encounter where, you know, God literally took dirt out of my eyes, spoke to me audibly. I always, before I give my testimony, I always disclaimer and say, guys, this is not the rule. This is an exception to the rule. Not everybody is going to have a knock you off the horse into the dirt. I have dirt coming out of the eyes, going to heaven. You know, not everyone's going to have that where they didn't eat for two weeks or sleep for three days. So we have to realize a lot of times God is in the average. I know people are hating this when I'm saying this, but God is in the average. God is in the mundane. God is in the routine. What you call mundane, average, and routine, God calls faithfulness. So a lot of times yes. we're waiting for something magical or crazy. And God is like, man, I'm just trying to whisper something to you, but you just have to stay still and let me listen. Okay. Let me ask you one last thing, one last yeah. thing, and then I'm, we're going to pray and I'll let you go. I know we've had you for an hour and a half. I appreciate your time. I told him we're going to go an hour, but you don't look too antsy. So we're just no going fi- to go one more. No, um, fine. And David Schluter says, what's up? He's in the chat. And he asked this one question I'm going to give you. What's I, now? I know you could probably give me 30 stories and I know, this is probably a hard question um answer to answer or question to answer mm-hmm. but what's like in your mind the most notable crazy prophetic word um I know you're like I dude there's too many but what would be like the craziest one notably you've gotten for somebody that you've seen come to pass that you've like personally prophesied which if the mayor of Branson's not crazy enough I'm thinking like wait you just called out someone but what would be the thing that you're like really Man. just notable
1: uh, it's actually that happened pretty recently Um, which I was sharing a little bit of it with you before we started streaming. Um, In 2012, I had a dream. um, And biblically, that's the most common way that God speaks to people is through dreams. Mm. He spoke to wicked kings in dreams so he can speak to us in dreams. Um, And so I had a dream in 2012 where I was standing outside a big hospital. And over the hospital, it said, blood of the victor's crown. And I walked through the hospital and I saw people terminally ill uh, with a virus. In
0: 2013, this happened.
1: 2012, 2012.
0: Okay. 2012. Yeah.
1: And, um, I, I was preaching in Minneapolis and Mankato, Minnesota. And, uh, I released this word uh, at the church service about my dream. And as I walked into the hospital, I saw people very sick with a virus and, um, they were, uh, hooked up to IV bags and on the IV bags, it said platelet rich plasma. And then, um, I saw them basically cycling their blood through and this platelet rich plasma, uh, with antibodies was healing these people. And then I went into a surgery, like a surgical area where there was a doctor that had a big yellow, orangish piece of like glass. And on the other side of it, he was operating, um, with this bright, bright blue light that was kind of going through the whole body of this person that was sick. And I knew that it was plasma light. And, um, so I released that in 2012 and then coronavirus hit and corona means crown. And that was the wow. context clue for me where I was like, so I put it on Facebook and I was like, hey, does anybody know anybody at the CDC? Or like, what what's the odds, right? Like that anybody in my fan page would know anybody at the CDC. Because I felt like the dream had to do with coronavirus. And so this woman reaches out to me. Let and me says, get this hey. straight.
0: You had the dream in 2012. Of yes. Eight, yeah. eight years ago of everything going on right yeah. now. Okay. Okay. I'm just yes. making sure we're on yeah. the right timeline because my mind's already just blown, but go ahead. Yeah.
1: But I didn't know that it was COVID it, until, you know, it came on and they were calling it Corona. And, uh, then it kind of clicked Or the Holy Spirit's like, Hey, your dream. So this woman contacted me and said, Hey, my husband is passed, but, um, my husband and I, you called us out at a meeting in Minnesota and you prophesied over us. We got saved in a meeting that you were at. Our son is the head virologist, uh, one of the head virologists at the CDC, in charge of containment for COVID nineteen? Wow! And so, she said, um, "I here's his cell number. Reach out to him. Uh, he may believe you. He may not. But reach out to him and see what he says." And uh, I'm like, "Okay." What? So I I call him, and I was like, "Hey man, uh, super weird. You don't know me." And he's like, "Yeah, my mom already told me who you are." And I was like, "Okay." And I was like, hey, and I wound up getting a word of knowledge right away about him and his family and his daughters. And he's like, okay, you've got my attention. What's going on? (laughs) So I told him the dream and he's like, okay, now this would have been in, uh, right at the beginning of like February, March, right in that area when they were talking about, uh, just the beginning of it, the virus coming from, you know, from China. And, um, so, um, he's like, well, we're just now starting to explore like, using platelet-rich plasma with people that are overcoming the virus. We don't know how yet, but we might use it as a therapy. And I told him about, he had to get another specialist on to talk about the plasma light. And so they, we sit on this. I'm talking every week to the CDC guy in text messages like <laughs> about what the dream was and all that kind of stuff. My wife and I drive up to Minneapolis, up to Minnesota, and we meet with this guy, a, a biologist, a, a pharmacist, an inventor, and start unpacking all this stuff from my dream. More, more knowledge comes about five finger zinc proteins that the Holy Spirit just put in my brain, oh my and gosh. like all the dude, all this crazy stuff that I'm not, I'm not educated in. Um, and I was totally out educated in that room. Oh I mean, you're there with a biologist and head pharmacist and all this stuff, but um, they greenlit. Needless to say, they said that it looks like the blood plasma is going to be greenlit by the FDA and by the CDC. So the first place that they started doing this treatment was here in Houston at Methodist Hospital. No because,
0: way.
1: Because we were here, this is the first place they did. Now, people don't know that. I'm saying it now on your stream. I'm not saying it for <laughs> it's credibility. Again, only it's like
0: 900 people watching. Right.
1: It's like, it's like, it's that idea of like, that's the biggest thing in recent that's time insane. that God's done. And so, um, then <laughs> they took that plasma light thing and people made fun of Donald Trump. Oh
0: no, hold on, hold on. You're cutting out. You're cutting out. Just uh, wait, 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 We're going to make you say it again. I'm not. You're on, uh, you're right. on the part where you said people make right. fun and it cut out.
1: Yeah. People make fun because, you know, they talk, they made fun of Donald Trump because he talked about, uh, disinfectant for blood, putting light inside the body, but. I texted my connection. I said, is that our conversation? And he said, yes. So it had already gotten all the way to the White House wow. about using plasma light internally to kill the virus. Now, I was and on, so I was on Facebook
0: been, about a month ago watching one of his uh, yeah. press conferences, and I think it was about a month ago and everyone's going to correct me in the chat. It's fine. He authorized the use <laughs> of plasma for treatment for COVID-19. He did an emergency order and allowed them to use plasma. Exactly yes. what you're saying to use plasma to help. And yes. people have had incredible results. That, (laughs) that is mind blowing. So you're, so the guy that you told this to ended up contacting or directly talked to the white house and told them all about that. Yeah.
1: That's who he reports to is the white, he reports to the white house. He's in DC all the time, like unpacking with Fauci and all those guys. And so like, he wound up giving that information and other people verified it and said, well, like, yeah, you know, like other scientists were like, well, yeah, like, we can use plasma light as a disinfectant. They use it in hospital rooms now. That's like insane. they'll put plasma lights in there to, to kill viruses. Yeah. And so there was other prophetic things that started coming out when I went to the meetings in Minnesota, like about using uh, plasma infused air, like for what to disinfect. <laughs> this has to be tunnels. God
0: giving you these words, bro. It is. But that's
1: the thing is like, I work with people that are inventors. I work with the guy that created frog tape. Like um, he, ha- he got that through a dream. The Lord gave it to him and, like he's an amazing inventor, and like we're working now with them uh to create uh we've created a, he created a test pro- a test kit that can detect alzheimer's thirty years early wow. and we're now currently like navigating how to uh create medications for Alzheimer's that will repair and return memory like that's all through their science, their prayers, their dreams, my prophetic edge and dreams, and there's so much we do that we don't so say publicly crazy. because because one god's trusted us with really powerful political like relationships that we just don't talk about because We value those relationships. Mm. But some of these things I've been okayed, like they've let me, they said, yeah, you can share that. So, but I mean, God's that, that's probably some of the biggest stuff that's happened recently
0: is being involved (laughs) in the plasma. (laughs) I'm like, what's the craziest thing? You're like, well, basically in 2012, God gave me a a dream of COVID and told me how to, how to help cure it. But anyways, it's no big deal. (laughs) That's insane. And you know, someone was saying, and I know that they opened it up where if you've had COVID, you can donate plasma. And actually Trump asked people, Hey, go donate plasma if you've had it. So that's dude, yeah, that's, that's so crazy so here's what i want to do guys that's a great way to um end it tonight and pray here's mm-hmm. what we're going to do we're going to pray um we still have the book giveaway tonight guys stay with that and we'll still talk later i'll read all the donations a lot but here's what i want to do i'm going to pray for barren women barren mothers men that cannot have ki- infertility we could just say it that way yep. because i believe yep. when you're sharing that there's an anointing tonight to break that. So I'm going to pray for that. And then after I pray for that, I'm going to turn it over to Luke and we're, and he's going to pray for an activation of the prophetic gifting yeah. and really just pray over you guys that you'd begin to activate it. You begin to walk in it and you'd begin to do it. There's no point in us doing an hour where an hour and 45 minutes in doing this whole stream teaching, giving you verse after verse after verse, and then just being done and being like, all right, praise God, we have to activate this. It's about demonstration. And then I can't wait I'm prophesying right now to get all the messages of testimonies of, you won't believe, but I prophesied over my coworker, and then this happened, okay? So we're going to get those testimonies, but let's just start praying. Um, Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you did tonight. Lord, we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We throw every crown at your feet, Jesus it is all about you lord thank you so much for what you did tonight father i ask you lord that you would just break barrenness off of men and women right now in the chat lord over everybody listening that has struggled to have kids that doctors have said they'll "They'll never never have have children children. they'll They'll never have have kids father we speak right now that you're going to bring bring children god we speak right now that you're going to restore that you're going to heal that you're going to open up their womb in jesus name we speak the healing power of the holy spirit we prophesy over you that you will have children in Jesus name yes. that you will have children by the power of the Holy Spirit we thank you Lord that you're bringing yes. restoration you're bringing renewal we speak over the men that are not fertile God we just pray you would yes. heal them and restore them Lord we've yes. seen you do this over and over and your word and says quiver, right? what you do for one you shall do for another so Lord we say do it again Lord do it again yes. God break barrenness in Jesus name open up the womb we command every curse that has been on your yes. womb to be broken. Now in Jesus name, yes. we break every generational curse that has tried to dwell on your womb. We break the curse now by the blood of Jesus. The curse is broken. We plead the blood over you now. And we say you will be fruitful and multiply. It is the will of God for you In Jesus name. We bless you now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to turn it over you to, um, to Luke, and we're going to pray for an activation of the gift of prophecy. And then whatever else he feels to pray over you.
1: Yeah. So Father, um, you know, before before I pray, I want to say this. I'm going to pray for everybody on here for an impartation, but we have to understand impartation must find a cradle to rest in. Mm. And so that cradle is intimacy. That cradle is your relationship with Jesus. I can pray for an impartation, but if you're not serious about your relationship with Jesus, if you're not pushing into intimacy with Jesus, you won't receive it. it. It just won't come to you. So the first thing you're going to have to do is make sure that you're where you need to be with Jesus. So Father, align us, Holy Spirit. If there's any place in our lives where we have not prepared a place for your presence to rest, Father, if there's any place where we have um, passed uh, aside from intimacy, God, and we've fallen into just the work of it, God, or just life and we've lost some intimacy, Father, we just repent and pray that you would restore our intimacy with you, Father. Lord, give these people a cradle to hold the anointing, to hold, Father, what's coming. God, to hold the impartation. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we release to you that your eyes would be baptized, that you would see a new level of prophetic gifting, that you would see a new level and realm in the seer realm, that your eyes would be opened, that the scales would fall off your eyes, that you would step into another level of seeing. We rebuke the spirit of Gehazi over you. And we say, you will see correctly. You will see what God is doing correctly. You will see like Elisha, not like Gehazi, but like Elisha. So Lord, I just thank you, Father, for baptizing their eyes. I speak over your ears in the name of Jesus. And I say, you can hear what your father is saying. Your eyes will see what the father is doing. And your ears will hear what the father is saying. We rebuke an orphan spirit. We release sonship and daughterhood in the name of Jesus over everyone listening. Father, I pray for a renewing and a baptism of their mind, God. Baptize their mind to have the right ideas, the right thoughts that are in alignment with the prophetic word and prophetic ministry. Father, I pray for a supernatural release of dreams and visions, Father. Lord, I pray that their dream life would come alive, Father. Let them put a piece of paper and a pen next to the bed or their smartphone and let them say, Father, your servant is listening. God, and I pray that you would speak and that they would sit still long enough to hear you. Holy Spirit, I pray for a release and a rising up of prophets. Father God, being a prophet is not that rare, Father God. There's over a hundred different types of expression of prophet God. And we just say, God, let them rise up in identity. God, let them rise up in a healthy identity. Release prophets that are in this stream into relationship, into community, into submission, into into submission to authority, Father. Jesus, I pray that people in this stream would step out and prophesy the thoughts and emotions of God, God, that they would step out in humility and prophesy the heart of Christ over others. God, give them a spirit of boldness to step out. Let them be set on fire by you, Holy Spirit, that the whole world may watch them burn. May they open their mouths and speak oracles as if from another age, as if from the very throne room of heaven. May they open their mouths and creative miracles spill out. Father, may they even accidentally, jokingly release prophetic words, God, and may life come from it and they see a wow moment of a display of your power that they would see just how much power you've shut up in their bones. In your name we pray, amen.